Before we get started, if you have some spare time, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which gets more listeners to the show. Have a good one, guys. Alrighty, so welcome to episode 56 of the Jez and Friends podcast. I'm very excited. Um, as you all know, I love my running, particularly um, in middle distance running. Um, and today I'm with fellow Melbourne Uni runner who holds the club record in the 15 and 3K uh, with 338 and 801, Isaac Hockey. How's it going, mate? Hey, Jerry, I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me. And it's nice to have another middle distance runner because you'd know this well as a, you know, to, to, to the lay runner, when you tell them you're, you're a middle distance runner, they ask you questions about the, like the marathon or your 10K time. So, um, and I'm always adamant that, you know, I don't like running for longer than a couple of minutes. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for the middle distance family. No, we love that, mate. I remember I had a chat with my PE teacher. He's like, oh, you do distance running, don't you, um, Jez? And I'm like, no, nah, it's called middle distance running, sir. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're yeah, two very know. different things. <laughs> Yeah, we'll touch on uh, middle distance running, I'm sure, very shortly. But um, we always start with hypotheticals, Isaac. So if you had to eat one takeaway meal for the rest of your life or like place for takeout, where would that be and why? Or what's your choice? Is like money a factor? Well, I'll, I'll say Thai green curry uh, oh, yeah. because you, if you're trying to be frugal, you can always just make the rice yourself. Uh, and there's always enough for leftovers the next day uh got some good spice good veggies uh never fails <laughs> no that's good um, i'm not sure about always... i'm not sure about curry every day of your life <laughs> uh it's always good to feel like find a um spot for curry but like i know some places like serve really well but some are like you know not the best fit yeah, yeah you gotta have your local yeah exactly <laughs> find the right um local for you and um, that's a pretty unique choice, I must say, Isaac. But let's um discuss like other things. Um, in terms of like yourself growing up in Geelong, um, I listened to this YouTube video. I think you were doing like one of the SSV stuff. But I think someone interviewed you, and it was quite a funny interview. I think he um mistook your um school or something. But anyway, um. What was it like growing up there? Because I know I've been to Eastern Beach a few times on wonderful location, even for training as well. Well, my family is uh, from further out west of Victoria. Uh, I suppose we're kind of farm families out kind of, I guess my relatives are distributed across the likes of Colac, Warrnambool, uh, Hamilton. Oh. But yeah. when I'm the youngest of three children and when my mother was pregnant with me, uh, they simultaneously, my parents simultaneously moved to Geelong. So I'm kind of the city boy of the, uh, of the, the smaller <laughs> city boy of, of, the, fam- of the hockey family. Uh, I guess growing up in Geelong is all I know. I uh, went to kindergarten, primary school and high school in Geelong. I was, I went to one of the independent co-ed schools uh, for high school, which I loved. Uh, most people, the question it will be, or oh, did you go to Geelong College or Geelong Grammar? And I'm like, neither. Uh, there were, I guess, through kind of year nine, 10, when I was running quite well, uh, I kind of had offers and potential to go to the likes of Copper Grammar, Melbourne Grammar or Geelong Grammar and kind of, you know, waive my fees to run. <laughs> and probably quite selfish of me in hindsight, that would have helped my parents financially a little bit. 
but I always wanted, you know, my running life and my school life and, you know, friends separate and, you know, two different things and didn't want to have to, you know, be uh, beholden to a scholarship and run fast on weekends in that respect. So uh, yeah, Geelong, I get back there when I can because my uh, family and a few of my friends are still there and places like the Eastern Beach, great for uh, you know morning walk, a swim out in the ocean if that's your kind of thing or a run and Eastern Gardens, which is just up at the top of the um, Eastern Beach. There's a, you know, a two point, oh, wow, this is testing my knowledge of Geelong now, 2.2K loop around Eastern Gardens, I think. And I did all my sort of growing up training, sort of cross-country training around on that gravel track. And funnily enough, when I made my first ever national cross-country, it was in Geelong at Eastern Gardens. So uh, <laughs> I kind of had, I had a home, home ground advantage uh, for that national cross. And I finished fifth and that was the best I've ever finished. And it was my first oh, ever national good. cross. So uh, yeah, my running started in Geelong and my first big race was in Geelong too. Um, but a great place. Yeah, awesome place. Um, and a good segue as well. Like I know you obviously study at Melbourne Uni, but um, can we briefly touch on like the subjects you did at high school and presuming a fair few science subjects, was it? Yeah, I did uh, biology, chemistry, psychology, English literature, uh, kind of the middle tier mathematics and French. <laughs> okay. I thought you'd do a maths there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just the one maths, which is probably my uh, weakest subject. Oh, no, that's fair. I'm not a fan of maths. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, cruise through general. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty chill there. But um, touching on Melbourne I don't, Uni, I don't so... like the lot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I, I you, go, like... you go. The lower maths is unfair because all the really, really good maths students just dominate it two years early. So. <laughs> That's true. So they do like further in year 10 or something. Um, yeah, so then it's yeah. unfair. <laughs> um, sorry to cut you off there, but like obviously you're studying at Melbourne Uni, I believe like in a field of immunology. <laughs> you can pronounce it. You can um, um, tell us what you're studying, mate, because I think I butchered that. I can. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> immunology. Uh, yeah. I, I did a bunch. I met undergrad and immunology was my major. So essentially it's the immune system and everything uh, related to that. Uh, following undergrad, I really wasn't sure what to do. And at the time I was, I was considering studying medicine, but I was running pretty well. Like the year before I ran 338 over 1500. So I kind of, I guess, heard anecdotes of you know, trying to balance. It's an incompatible, uh, you know, journey to to engage fully in the medical degree or a medical career and trying to run well at a high standard and at a standard that requires you to travel internationally uh so I didn't really know what to do I had a semester off at the end of my undergrad degree because I took an extra semester to complete it and I also wasn't really set on medicine so I was kind of like you know what else could I look at uh and then through COVID and I'm about to finish this now I did uh, a master's degree in well the title is public health but it's I'm kind of focusing on like more well initially I wanted to do sort of a well funny enough back to maths like a biostatistics and epidemiology sort of stream which is funny mm. enough is very topical in the media now but I moved away from that to more of kind of like the social sciences side of it and 
uh, you know, I guess the intersection of like vulnerable at risk populations and, and, you know, looking at things that sort of preclude, preclude their access to healthcare and, uh, and health inequalities and things like that. And I um, am now about to finish that and have a, uh, have a spot in a medical degree in Sydney next year. So I, yeah, have um, some de decisions to make, <laughs> but maybe I'll be, a, a, I'll be a forever student at the moment. It's a, it's a, being a student, I think, is a good way to balance uh, many other uh, pursuits such as running. And I've been able to travel overseas while studying full time, which is nice. Yeah, like it's interesting to see your running journey in terms of like balancing um, study with running, um, which I praise you for, Isaac. Um, and in terms of like the immunology um, like degree, do you touch on a bit of like COVID and stuff? And like you probably know like how that works and even the vaccine and the antibodies and how that goes about. Ooh, testing my knowledge here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, fin I finished immunology back in 20. 19 uh so this was all kind of pre-covid times uh but what i love about what i love about immunology is well it's, it's very different to sort of you know the broader health society point of view mm -hmm. because in immunology you're very much looking right in on the cells and you know memorizing these things called chemokines and um and all the sort of protein bodies that uh respond to you know allergies uh infections um and then looking at things like cancer treatment which i find super interesting so most of the time with cancer when cancer um well in the case of cancer your cells are dividing at a you know inappropriate rate uh so in excess and uh the a lot of the treatments are kind of trying to slow down um responses and and trying to get the immune system to kind of target uh the uh damaging cells and the cells that are really quite good at, good at evading uh, the immune response. Um, so there's you know, some really quite interesting things, I think, in the field of immunology, especially where it intersects cancer and well, oncology and cancer is very much you know, in an aging society that we live in in Australia. It's, you know, cancer is a chronic disease that affects so many people and never, you know, whether it be you or your family members or your friends uh, and cancer treatments are very novel and you know, something that in the future, uh, you know, need constant trials and a lot of some of the cancer treatments aren't covered by, you know, the national pharmaceutical schemes because they're new and unsure and there's lots of side effects. And mm. that's probably if I do go down the pathway of medicine, uh, cancer is something that I find super interesting. Um, in terms of the uh, linking COVID and immunology, um, <laughs> my housemate's probably a better one to talk about here. Did an honors project last year, and uh, they had to design um, a vaccine, and they were targeting the spike protein, which I believe is what uh, the vaccines target now. Uh, but that's very much sort of you—you you really look in and see what's going on. How does the virus, you know, get its way into cells, or how does it evade the immune response? And uh, you have to learn a lot about, you know, this is something that I talk <laughs> about uh, with, on a human level as well. You know, to understand the enemy, you ha you have to, you know, to well, if you were trying to fight the enemy or get them on your side, you really have to understand them as well and what makes them think. And it's just like a virus, uh, you know, what, what makes them what makes them live off you essentially, um, and how do you target that and then uh, link that into drug design or vaccine design. Uh, but beyond, you know, some pipetting and uh, you know, two subjects where I was in the lab three hours a week, I, I haven't done any uh, 
actual research in, into the field of immunology. But I do remember when I was finishing my undergraduate degree, the uh, staff department were very, <laughs> very like, okay, uh, consider doing things other than medicine because most of the students wanted to go into medicine. And yeah. you know, if you're a clinician at the hospital, yes, you're doing a super important role, but at the bedside, you're you know, just administering what is accepted or deemed to be true and the current best evidence-led practice. Whereas if you're up in the lab doing all the hard yards and probably a bit, bit less pay as well, uh, you know, you can be working really hard to develop things that change people's lives forever and, you know, change the healthcare system for the future. Yeah, I think I learned more off what you said, Ben. I did in year 10 bio, so. <laughs> a bit, bit nerdy, but it can be interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. If like, Because um, medicine, people just think it's all like, just like a one-sided approach, but like there's so many um, pathways to it. So it's good that you've touched on like many key facets. Um, yeah. Yes, and those uh, pathways you allude to is very much what's da what's daunting me at the moment in terms of, you know, what may uh, lie ahead yeah. on the path if I uh, choose to take it. <laughs> yeah, true, mate. You've got some big decisions, but I'm sure you make the right one um, shortly, mate. Um, and let's move on to um, your running now, which is the big um like uh motivation for getting you on so uh you're obviously a middle distance runner specializing in like the 15 and the 3k so like talk me through your running journey and like how eventuated were you like um set on it like from little apps or like did it develop when you were a teen well a fun fact about me is that my first victorian team was in fact in sailing not oh, athletics really? uh my brother, my older brother, Luke, went to, uh, we're sailing cadet boats, which are pretty small. There's, you know, a lot, typically a larger person at the back who steers the boat and some, a small crew at the front who changes the sails and kind of helps lean outside and level the boat. Uh, and my brother went to Budapest in Hungary for the world championships. And because both my siblings were sailing, I also, when I was old enough, sort of jumped in the boats as well. So I was probably a 10 or 11, very lightweight, uh, would jump in the front of the boat and just sort of follow uh, the directions of, uh, you know, my skipper, uh, Ben. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first time I sailed, we did capsizing practice where you, you know, flip cool. the boat because you got to, you know, if that happens when you're sailing, you got to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. practice to get it back over and get back into the race. And I got stung by a jellyfish. So oh. to be honest, I was probably scared the entire time I sailed for two or three years, either freezing, freezing and or scared or sunburnt. Um, <laughs> so I didn't, didn't love it, but I went to Tasmania uh, because I came uh, came sixth at the state championships and the top six made nationals. So we uh, went to the nationals. I can't remember how we went, but that was you know probably back in 2009 or 2010. And then I think the following year, I stopped sailing. I was doing little athletics simultaneously just on the Saturday mornings in Geelong and sort of go from little athletics to sailing in the afternoon. And I ran 5.01, I think it was, for 1,500 metres. And I was probably 11 I think it was like the first age group oh, really? you have 1500 is that under 11s I think and yeah, yeah. it was I broke the Geelong region record and uh like I guess it was the first time ever on 1500 and uh my first ever coach Lisa Vestran her husband Jack came up to me after the race and said oh who do you train with and I was like training <laughs> what's that and he's like you know during the week and I was like oh I don't you know I don't run I just like I you know play football I was playing AFL as well um, and I do a little bit of sailing but I don't really run 
And so he said, you know, how about you come down on a Monday? So I started doing Monday sessions at Landy Field. And that would have been, you know, when I was 2000, when I was 11, it's like, you know, uh, 11 or 12 or 13, a long time ago. And then from, for seven years from that date, I was, so from then to year 12, I was running at Landy Field, you know, once, twice or three times a week. And uh, I finished 19th at my first ever state cross country at Bandura that year I started training. Um, And then the, well, that, that was kind of like, I just started training. And then the following year I had stopped sailing. I stopped football. I moved up to under 14s and I was a bit small and couldn't lay a tackle anymore. And I was less committed to coming to training because I was track training on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I went to state cross country and finished fourth and made my first and made my first nationals, which was uh, in Geelong, as I spoke, mentioned earlier. Um, so that was grade five. And then I you know, went through the national cross country ranks in year six and seven. I won my first ever state championship in year seven. I won the 3K at Bandura, never won a, a cross country again as it got further. Uh, so I suppose I really, my, or, the origin of running to me was through those zone level uh, athletics and cross country and then little athletics and Lisa and Jack sort of asking, inviting me down to training. And as the years went on, I trained a little bit more, a little bit more. And I think I was kind of a late bloomer to growing and catching up in size to some of my competitors, namely, yeah. well, you probably don't know these guys, but namely the likes of like Ryan Patterson and Nick Perusis, uh, you know, these, these big guys at the age of 13, I probably caught up about sort of age 17 and my real big, big breakthrough very much was I, my 1500 meter PB was 412 and I was six, just turned 16, I believe. Uh, and my coach was adamant. Lisa was adamant that I was going to run about four minutes. So I did a very sneaky, uh, I deceitfully entered a Vic Miles club with the 402 and I snuck <laughs> into as a, as, as a 412 runner. And I snuck in as the last runner of in the B race. And I'm like, that'll be right. Oh, of wow. course, I, I've already lied by 10 seconds and I've snuck in as the last runner. So I'm going to get smashed. Anywho, I won the race and I ran 353. So I went from uh, 412 oh, wow. to 353. And I think I just turned 16. And it was a world youth year. Uh, and the qualifier was, I think, 349. And Lisa was like, you know, you can make this team. <laughs> uh, uh, even though I think I was a year, I was either one or two years underage. Um, so I went to nationals and finished second to Ryan Patterson. Uh, and then two years on, I made world juniors in the 1500 um, with, Matt, with Matthew Ramsden. So I was always kind of a 3K cross country guy, but when 3K moved to 5K, I just picked 1500 because I'd already ran 353 and I wanted to make world juniors, um, which was sort of that 348, 349. Um, threshold and the year I made world juniors seven of us had in 2016 seven of us had a qualifying standard and in, among those seven you have Matthew Ramsden Oliver Hoare Jai Edwards oh, uh, that's a big big name <laughs> yeah so, um, so it was quite a quite a solid uh, championship and quite a ver- the most nerve-wracking race I've ever most nerve-wracking uh, call room I've ever been in in Perth seven of us with a world junior standard uh walking out to the back straight uh but i made the team (laughs) oh that's an awesome running journey um isaac and 
In terms of like um like how a week looks like for a middle distance runner, I know like so many people know how it looks like for a distance runner. Like talk me through how a week looks like for you in terms of like mileage sessions you do, long runs, um, etc. Well, I, I'm still having an identity crisis as whether I'm an 8.15 guy or a 15.5k guy because I do think long-term, yeah. uh, with my roots back in cross-country, I think long-term I might end up at 5k once I get some more sort of solid training in. But for me, well, I think middle distance is probably more variable than distance. Like I think with distance That's running, true. it's like, you know, people put in their big, big session, uh, big long runs, you know, maybe two sessions a week or three, you know, kind of a threshold run and some interval reps. Uh, I think you look at middle distance and look at middle distance in Australia and you have, you know, the dichotomy of like Luke Matthews high volume training to Peter Boll yeah. uh, and they're both exactly middle distance right. runners and one is running maybe a hundred kilometers a week more than the other. Uh, but they're both meeting very similarly uh, on race day when they're both in great shape. So I probably sit somewhere in the middle. I'll probably clock 80 to 90 kilometers a week. Uh, yeah. I typically do a, I do a Sunday long run of 90 minutes. Uh, on a Tuesday, I would do sort of interval longer reps, you know, no, nothing unique or novel at all. Your K reps or your fartlek. Uh, I particularly love K reps. It's kind of, you know, three minutes of running with a one minute standing break. That's just like the perfect, yeah, same, uh, same physiological, the perfect physiological system for my training. Yeah. Don't give me any jog off float recoveries, please. Yeah. I'm done uh, after that. I get dropped. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, maybe I, I actually, to be honest, like to do two workouts a week and maybe a faster jog or just two workouts a week uh, and a long run. But come in winter, that's kind of pretty consistent, nothing very exciting. And I, to be honest, like that. I like to have kind of low-key periods of the year. Uh, in the past, yeah. when I have been overseas, you often forgo a winter season because you're racing. So, you know, you're jumping on the track, trying to get qualifiers or run fast in Australia, you then travel overseas and you're trying to run all the time in races that you can get into, and then you come home, have a break, and it's suddenly it's September, and the next season is starting again. So what I've particularly liked about this year is I've just been home locked down, and I'm just churning out 80 to 90 kilometers a week, two sessions, a long run. Uh, I'm not going out on weekends because I'm not able to, so you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm resting while I'm eating well, I'm sleeping well, and I'm just training a kind of pretty lower intensity uh, but then it comes to track season and, and the weeks are entirely different. Um, you know, I could be doing a session that is an 800 meters at 1500 meter race pace with like a five minute break and then a couple of 200s. So today I did a session that was seven kilometers in duration, not including mm -hmm. the warm up and cool down. And then in track season, I might do a session that's two to one to three kilometers in distance. Uh, whereas you don't typically see your distance runners jumping on the track and kind of going balls out falling on the ground at the end uh yeah. training that energy energy system but then that's where it becomes so variable with middle distance running because some some of the best middle distance runners don't really jump in and do that kind of speed endurance training as you'd call it um you know they're just so fit and aerobically fit and then they kind of get that speed through racing often you know they'll jump on the track mm -hmm. and as much during the season as they can and that's where where they really get that stimulus of working really hard and essentially running really fast for you know as long as you can which is a couple of minutes but i normally do quite a lot uh of that kind of speed endurance stuff put on some spikes um and i guess it's just about getting 
comfortable at running fast. And I have a lot in the past, I've had a tendency of getting niggles through, you know, my shin, my lower back, uh, potentially I don't have a great, uh, running stride when I'm running fast under fatigue. So, you know, I, when it comes to the start of track season, I have to really be, you know, conscious of getting my spikes on one day a week to get, you know, get that calf loading and get that Achilles loading, uh, you know, do some faster strides around the bend to get that, you know, that, you know, sort of left side bias that comes with running around the bend uh, and just sort of introduce that stimulus that is specific to middle distance running that, you know, it doesn't really perhaps matter as much to distance running. And then also I think, and this is, you know, depends entirely on the person, but yeah. potentially with middle distance runners, you need to do a bit more in the gym and sort of power production and speed production. Um, I know my good friend, Lyndon Hall, she does a lot in the gym and a lot of that kind of Olympic lifting uh, work to really build power. Whereas for me, uh, I found that in the past, that really just kind of blew my energy and I was really sore for jumping on the track. And I think I'm quite a slender person. My speed my natural speed definitely doesn't come through muscle bulk it, i'm just kind of like stiff and very elastic so mm. i you know take a real kind of step back when it comes to gym and i do a lot more of you know banded stuff um body weighted stuff focus on my kind of uh limitations potentially rather than focusing on like speed production in the gym which some middle distance runners do as well so <laughs> to answer your question <laughs> for me it's really on a surface level you know, I rest, I rest on a Monday. I do a intervals on a Tuesday, a jog on a Wednesday, a lighter tempo-y session on a Thursday. I either rest or jog on a Friday. Um, I do, you know, in summer season, I'll do quite a specific track workout on a Saturday and then a long run on a Sunday. So my week still looks very similar to most runners in australia <laughs> um i'm just kind of that I'm, I'm that middle hybrid i i do long like i do 90 minutes to 100 minute long runs but i also do quite specific fast track sessions so maybe i'm dipping my toes in a bit of everything is the answer <laughs> no that's a very good answer mate i'm sure i'll take a few tips and i'm sure some other middle distance runners will take some tips off you as well as i for sure with like even the resistance training like you spoke about like the um band work i might give that a go as well very very versatile pieces of equipment and you know you can throw them in a little backpack and take them anywhere and you just need to find a door or something to attach them to uh highly recommend yeah for sure guys get a resistance band on from like the local kmart or something but um (laughs) (laughs) we spoke about like um briefly like your um wonderful places you've traveled um across your running journey and just in general um you want to list a few of them and like which ones um have been your favorite places to travel i know i had ben buckingham on and he was like oh switzerland was one of his favorites what about yourself <laughs> that's funny i um i have often laughed although entirely as a, an external party who's unaware of why these decisions <laughs> are being made uh that melbourne track club would always go to laguna or mount laguna in california i think it is and it just looks very barren and you know not a lot there and I'm like, they're missing out. St. Moritz is just <laughs> divine. Uh, so there you go. Then uh, Ben Buckingham can attest to that. Uh, I was lucky enough to be in St. Moritz in 2019 with Lyndon Hall, Georgia Griffith, um, my housemate Sam Toll, uh, and a great junior athlete from, well, she's not a junior anymore, uh, from Adelaide, Sarah Eckel. 
And we were there for almost three weeks. And I guess to typify the experience, you wake up on your bunk bed and uh, put your little pot of uh, coffee on the, put the percolator on the uh, stove, uh, wait a minute for that, pour it in your mug, and then you walk out on the deck and look out across the mountains, sort of snow-capped mountains. uh, And it's, you know, a nice sort of balmy, you know, 16 degrees, but you've got the sun, you're closer to the sun, right? Because you're at altitude. Uh, and then, you know, you go and run and, and spend a lot of money on groceries <laughs> uh, and, and, and kind of chill out. And I always say that I like to be busy and doing lots of different things. And, but I do really love the experiences I've had traveling internationally when, you know, the prime, what takes primacy is your running and your training and, uh, you're not running at 6am to fit training in before work or uni, you're running at you know 9am because you wake up and have 45 minutes to digest your good oats for breakfast and, <laughs> and those sort of things. And yes, after maybe three weeks, you've read four books and you've watched, well, in Georgia Griffith's case, all of RuPaul's Drag Race uh, and you kind of run out of things to do, but often you come down feeling fit and running fast and uh, you know, that St. Moritz very much, uh, is is an amazing place to go and do that and focus on your running uh the year before i well the year i ran my bet i ran 338 i spent three weeks in flagstaff in uh phoenix i mean sorry in our flagstaff in arizona um i flew into phoenix arizona in america and uh came down from the mountain and ran 338 so i always have good memories of flagstaff but a bit less scenic than saint moritz and a bit hotter i would say um much better coffee in Flagstaff than St. Moritz. In St. Moritz, you spend about 13 Australian dollars for a very, you know, subpar three out of 10 <laughs> espresso. Yeah, I think I saw that. Um, and what about locally? Let's say like, I'd love to go to Falls Creek um, in the summer, permitting COVID, obviously. What's that yep. like compared to like something like Flagstaff or St. Moritz? I think Falls Creek is a little bit, probably I would say more similar to, actually, I haven't been to any of these places in winter. So that's very funny um like i've never been to the snow but i've been to falls creek five times uh i was going to say falls creek is more similar to saint moritz because people snow like ski there i guess it's like a winter town and like in flat in falls creek there's not a lot to do whereas in uh flagstaff you know there's a university and uh you know it's like a a proper city i suppose that just happens to be an altitude um but i love falls creek uh it's been a while since i've been there i spent a lot of junior years uh up the mountain, you know, whether it be for five days or maybe two weeks sort of thing. But Falls Creek, I also have very fond memories of because it's where I've made a lot of friendships in uh, the Victorian and often beyond running scene uh, because you spend a lot of time with people in a, in a small space, so you can't really avoid them. And, uh, and everyone gets, you know, runs, gets a bit competitive and runs, uh, runs well as well. So I love Falls in terms of like locally, uh, my favourite running spots, it'd have to be uh the surf coast and you know anglesey uh you know i often regularly would do my sunday long runs from talking and just head out towards jan uh and you know those trails go forever you basically pick a starting point and just run and uh you know gravel beach views very lucky to live down that part of the world yeah it's a wonderful place i was like i know i've been uh camping with my school a few times it's always a good place to yeah um obviously ride and run as well so um Definitely check that out maybe next holidays. Um, and also, um, as we all know, you coach at 
run to PB. So I believe um, Zach have probably got you into that. But Brady's also a friend of a show. Um, and do you want to give your listeners about like um, the coaching you offer there as well as like an overview on how the tailored plans work, maybe? Shout out to Zaka and Brady. Uh, yes, Zaka, uh, Zaka and I have been, I guess, long-term mates, I suppose, at Melbourne Uni Athletics Club. But more recently in the past two years, we have been committee members and we kind of share the same portfolio of communications and Instagram a little bit. So if you happen <laughs> to find a, if you find a comedic or engrossing email from uh, Melbourne Uni Athletics Club, you can thank me. Uh, and if you like the graphics on our Instagram, you can, that um, is Zaka's work. So um, we uh, are regularly messaging Zach and Isaac and Zaka uh, messaging on uh, Facebook. And we talked a little bit about uh, coaching over the time and, and given uh, I haven't been working so much through lockdowns and potentially moving interstate next year, I sort of said, you know, does that offer still stand? I, I've, I'm a level two athletics coach. So uh, we chatted about it and you know, quite recently, really, I got on board and, uh, and I'm working personally with four athletes at the moment, which is pretty cool. They range from you know, some individuals wanting to run five kilometers without stopping uh, to people wanting, you know, wanting to run half marathon and marathon PBs. Uh, the programs are administered through uh, a program called Final Surge, uh, which is, you know, a similar thing to say Training Peaks. Uh, I personally actually received my, my programs through Final Surge with my coach, Steve. Uh, so I was sort of, I knew how, how it worked as an athlete and now I'm just kind of navigating it as a coach. And uh, people sign on, you know, in periods like now when there's hopefully an event in 11 weeks being the Melbourne Marathon, people sign up and, and want some guidance towards that event. So it's very much, uh, and initially for me, uh, what takes precedence is reaching out to the person, uh, having a chat like this with them and essentially establishing their goals, the history in running or other sports, uh, the injury history, and then their lifestyle, you know, just because I run a long run on a Sunday doesn't mean they need to run their long run on a Sunday or, you know, they might go and play soccer or go with their children's sport on a Sunday morning. So it's very much establishing the relationship, how you wish, how you're going to communicate. Is that going to be by text? Are you going to put notes in final surge? Uh, is it going to be kind of, you know, check in at the end of each month sort of thing? Uh, and just working out, creating that rapport between athlete and coach that I think is just integral to a successful program and a happy athlete which is a, you know, a, a fast or a, you know, an athlete that is pursuing their goals, I suppose. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I like the variability in, you know, in what people want to achieve. Some people just want to run because they enjoy the you know, time away from their, their housemates or their time away from their job. And, and it's, it's a thing that they can achieve. It's quite, you know, the results of running, whether it be a time performance or, you know, a distance, it's very tangible and um, can really, instill a you know feeling of you know achievement uh, all the way through to people who, who want to run this time at, th at this marathon and 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 those ones you really kind of invest a bit more planning potentially into like this is your goal standard in this workout and this is whatnot so um i like it because it's really mixed and uh it's nice to think about some other help other people on their running goals beyond just my goals for every now and then as well <laughs> oh, it's awesome to hear isaac and 
Mate, let's see in three months' time where my goals are at. You might have a middle distance runner to coach. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how we go. Well, yeah, I, that, I talked about the diversity, but I haven't got anyone yet saying they want to run a fast 1500. So <laughs> there, there's a vacancy. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to get in touch, Isaac, for sure, after the potty. But um, speaking of coaching, I know shoes are very important. And I know you work with Brad and Renee, uh, Renee sorry, with the running company Yarraville, um, who sell predominantly running shoes. And um, can you like give me an overview on like a day to day? um like workings like obviously you don't just get runners you get people who walk as well like trail runners etc but like how does that work for you yes you've uh um, described the, the demographic very well i we opened in august to that well renee and brad opened in august 2017 and i was their first employee i had had a little bit of experience with the company uh in geelong when julian spence was managing the store there so i'd kind of been in and out through high school but granted, you know, when school runs the same time as the retail operating uh, hours, you, know, you don't spend a lot of time in store. So I probably was not a very like worthwhile uh, staff member as a high schooler. So thank you to Julian for bringing me on. Uh, but the, the, the August 2017 opening time uh, in Yarraville coincided with uh, I was returning from uh, racing overseas in Taiwan. Uh, yeah, that was in August 2017. And I was also moving, hopefully going to move to Melbourne uh, to keep studying university in Melbourne rather than traveling up from Geelong. So Renee essentially reached out to me and said, you know, we, you have worked in Geelong, you're moving to Melbourne. Do you want to help me out and have a job here in Yarraville? So at the time, Renee worked, you know, consecutive days, consecutive weeks. And I would probably jump in maybe on like a Saturday with her and one other day with her uh and it was you know super fun and what now it's 2021 so what almost five years on four years on i am still there we rather than two staff we now have eight staff members uh and you know in my personal experience as a staff member as a as an employee of renee and brad's i'm incredibly lucky because they you know allow me the flexibility to you know, miss work for races and fit it in around my university. And I try and be very flexible, but at times I am probably quite annoying to deal with. And Renee has to try and change the roster. And Renee is so caring. She wants to make sure every single staff member has, you know, the exact shifts that work for them. Uh, in terms of the work, uh, ultimately, whether you've been, you know, whether you're a new staff member or it's Renee and Brad, the day-to-day -day work is, you know, it comes back to premium customer service. Uh, the demographic differs anecdotally, I should say, uh, between stores. Like I think Ballarat, uh, given their kind of link potentially with the Inside Running podcast, <laughs> perhaps get more people who are interested in running fast and kind of your elite runners. But then mm. it also makes sense that they probably have a greater trail running demographic given their geography. Uh, in Yarraville, we don't have, well, especially when you look at 5K radius, <laughs> there's not a lot of uh potentially great options for running that aren't concrete yeah. uh and renee and brad are based out near the yuyangs so a lot of the people who are coming in for trail shoes are actually going to the yuyangs which is about a 35 40 minute drive away so things like trail it's a little bit more niche and maybe not something we invest in or work as closely with as some of the other running company stores i often describe you know 
if if you ask me, okay, Isaac, who's going to walk in the door? You know, I take my my guesses. I I put my money on, you know, someone a woman. I would say we just have a lot more females than males. A woman of the age, you know, maybe thirty five, uh, who wants to run or runs twice a week, does hit training or F forty five, and you know, walks her dog twice to three or four times a week. Um, and she's getting a sore, she's getting heel pains. In, uh, so she's got, you know, early onset plantar, plantar fasciitis um, or she's got, you know, toe pain or calf pain yeah. um, and she's heard about our store. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I, uh, that's great. You know, often people preface their entry by saying, you know, I don't run. And so maybe the, the, the store name needs to, the brand needs to change a bit um, because we certainly cater to more than just runners. And, you know sometimes someone comes in and goes i want to run a pb over 5k and sure that's great i can talk to them about spikes and you know my experience wearing spikes and carbon plated shoes and you know the frontier of the technology of shoes but what i love about it is helping people who have been to a podiatrist because they're they've got a stress fracture or they have um a you know a a pesky bunion that makes it really hard to fit a shoe and they've been wearing a shoe two sizes too small which is you know remarkably common uh (laughs) and you know these are people who they're they're wearing ten dollar shoes or shoes that are just so poorly fitted uh you know you you explain shoes to them they find something they they love you can just it's a real kind of tactile improvement from what they're coming from and and you know that they leave the store and they're going to go for their evening walk or run and just be so much more comfortable uh so we, you know, Renee, Brad and I, and all our staff, all the staff members in Yarraville and all the running companies sort of, you know, pride ourselves on being footwear tech nerds. But ultimately over my years working at the running company, I probably know less about shoes or like the offsets of shoes and the densities of foams than I used mm-hmm. to, because I very much learned that, you know, what is most important is, you know, the fit and the, the building the rapport with the, with the customer and, and, essentially discovering or determining why they come into the store, what they need and, and just fitting the context. Uh, and people often ask, you know, what's the best shoe or what do you wear? And I'm like, just because I wear that shoe, it's probably the worst shoe for you. Like I have a size 12 foot that's like one centimeter wide. It's just ridiculously narrow. And like, you know, I'm jogging at maybe 4.30 pace, but most people are jogging at six minute pace. So it really just comes back to context and, and really trying to find the shoe that is designed for millions of feet, you know, to try and get the one that is a little bit more, you know, fitting you to those boxes sort of thing. But footwear talk can I go on for a long time. <laughs> yeah, just quickly, Isaac, what are some shoe recommendations? Um, because I'm a shoe <laughs> dog, excluding Nike, mate. They they just kill it with like vaporflies and invincibles. Well, at the moment, I have no Nikes in my collection if we exclude racing shoes. <laughs> uh so my current joggers and in fact it's a good question i need to replace my uh, brooks ghost at the moment i they were a bit uh, run down today uh but i my probably all-time favorite was the new balance 1080 last year uh yeah the, the fit changed a little bit this year funnily enough to be a bit more uh fitted didn't work for me around the, didn't work. around the heel counter and a little bit deeper through the forefoot and as soon as you had any depth to a shoe my skinny little flat foot doesn't fit so uh that trivial update was not trivial for me so uh, i'm not in the 1080 at the moment i'm in the brooks ghost and um a bit more niche the uh puma uh deviate uh and i also have what else is in my cupboard the sacconi endorphin speed i i put on here and there for kind of like a little bit kind of faster runs 
but at the moment i've just i've just been banging out the um brooks ghost yeah so you know every kind of six months my answer to that question could change no that's good to hear mate um i'm sure you'll you know i'll work around your shoes um for like years to come but like what about word of mouth recommendation to get me into <laughs> running company yeah <laughs> uh as a staff member yeah i'd love to work there mate. <laughs> yeah i i um can take you under my wing i uh much knowledge to impart and as as long as you have a um you know as uh you know a smile on your face when people walk in the door and uh albeit for me pretty awkwardly greet people and you know <laughs> say say something self-deprecating to, to break the ice um you know the shoe knowledge can be taught uh you know we in Yarraville very much uh value staff members who are just you know welcoming and and there to listen and uh you know I guess not trivialize anyone's uh reason for coming in to get shoes whether it be to uh you know where to work at the hospital um to get out of bed without chronic pain or to run you know an ultra marathon awesome i'm sure i'll learn a fair bit off you isaac um <laughs> well it looks like uh i'll have to tell brad and renee we have a, um, our next staff member <laughs> all right let's have some fun in the potty now isaac i know we spoke about running for a fair bit but um let's talk music now a different spin um what's a song you listen to or like any guilty pleasures or like main types of genres you listen to mate i listen to music quite a lot historically i've been the kind of a sad boy music kind of vibe um yeah love listening like to things <laughs> love listening to things that make me feel sad i probably my my go-to artists would be parcels which are an australian uh sort of indie funk uh group that are from byron bay but they now live in berlin which kind of you know fits 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 the genre, um, and Middle Kids, which is an Australian group based in Sydney. Uh, yeah, I, I I like well, I guess I I I know where these sort of like these genres or uh, my sort of liking for these groups came from. I guess when I was younger, I listened to dr- driving between uh, Geelong and Melbourne to uni. I listened to. Uh, a lot of uh, Triple J and that's kind of Australian centric. Um, mm. But I do, I do enjoy kind of, you know, indie, folky, light, electronic music sort of thing. Um, but also up, always up for, uh, you know, the Discover Weekly or kind of finding the dark ends of Spotify <laughs> to, to discover <laughs> some new, uh, new groups. Yeah. No, we love that, mate. I know I... Um, chuck on discover weekly all the time so it's good to have someone in a similar boat mate <laughs> um and moving on to my money segment i call isaac i'm not sure you've heard but it's called funny stories so um either from your schooling days your running um running company um and in life you want to share to the listeners go for it this one kind of links to running actually i suppose it just links to like me being like shambles or like not so much clumsy, just like, you know, oh, Isaac did that. Like, of course his body's broken again. Um, when my first sort of big injury was, I was uh, sitting at my desk studying. I think it's probably maths. It would have definitely been maths that caused this, inflicted this pain on me. Um, and I sneezed and like, I don't know, acutely, I didn't like notice much, but you know, it was like, it was a big sneeze. And anywho, uh, weeks on following the sneeze, I was still having like, upper back pain and I couldn't run and 
I couldn't ride my bike and yeah. I was just kind of getting ongoing aching through my uh, back. So I went to a sports doctor and um, I have like incredibly poor flexibility. So they're kind of like, you know, there's something wrong. It's just tight through the back. Nothing really improved. So I got a scan. Uh, I think it was an MRI and I had a fracture to the transverse process, which I will never forget, which is essentially like the little extension of the, um, uh, of the spinal column uh, on each vertebrae, vertebra. And it was T4 up, um, up towards my shoulder uh, and I had fractured it and it could only really be determined, like the attributing factor was sneezing. And apparently in like with people with poor bone density, osteoporosis, it's not uncommon to break ribs or like your sternum. So yeah, I, I would say I, at the time I was like, oh yeah, I just broke my back sneezing, which kind of sounds pretty hardcore, right? Uh, and I couldn't do any exercise for three months, which I kind of loved. I think I was in year 10 and I was like, sweet. <laughs> uh, and for months on, I was still getting like, uh, you know, kind of like pseudo pain and back stiffness and whatnot. So um, yeah. I think it's pretty funny. It was like my first ever injury. I just sneezed. And most of my injuries are kind of like something really that seems kind of innocuous ends up breaking my body so that's kind of typical of me <laughs> yeah that's a very funny story i was like like sneezing and then pretty much causing the injury so very fragile yeah. yeah yeah speaking of like um stories what's like the best piece of advice someone has ever given you could be anything like well this is probably very like cliche but yeah i have um over the past few years, I was seeing a psychologist, albeit virtually. And uh, at the time I was kind of just lost in terms of, I suppose what we spoke about earlier, like going down the path of, you know, medicine, is that what I want to do? Mm. Is it incompatible with the other things I want to do in my life? Uh, and I had been funded with the Victorian Institute of Sport and they were very much of the notion that I was doing too much in my life and it wasn't a very high performance environment that I was uh, creating around me. I suppose I was working maybe four days a week at the running company. I was studying full time. Uh, and I had said that, I, oh yeah, I'm going to apply to get in to go study medicine and essentially the VIS. And I suppose, you know, they're funding me. So this, you know, I, I get where they're coming from. They were like, you're doing too much and, and you're not going to perform. And that's why you're getting sick and getting injured. And I was like, yeah, but like, I need to pay to like, to eat, eat well and, you know, in, and you know, eat the food I need and pay the rent so I can sleep and train in the morning and pay for my petrol and travel overseas to race. Uh, and I, and I like doing, you know, many things and, you know, keeping kind of multiple stimuli going. So I'm not too focused on running, but anyway, I could sort of expressed those sort of concerns, or I guess doubts um, to my psychologist. And we really just worked through like, um, you know, it's just like finding values and, and sort of what you align with. And I guess it's not even anything that's uh, like shocking. It's just like, I never really, uh, you know, practice quiet introspection, I guess the power of quiet introspection and, and acknowledging how, you know, it's normal to have an emotional response to something and, and how does that make you feel? And, and then choosing how to act on that. And for me, it was just going, okay, let's like kind of write down, you know, the medical pathway and what are the pros and cons to that and and what are the pros and cons to you know not continuing to study and maybe going okay I'm going to make the Paris Olympics and it was just kind of working out what I you know what I want my life to be like I suppose and and what that looks like and 
over the past year of COVID, I think you spend a lot of time in your own mind. And I just feel like I've kind of changed and grown more as a person than ever in my past year. And it's not like, yeah, I know that normally, I feel like that happens when you're 17 or something, but for me, it's happened when I'm turning 24. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's really advice, but it's just, yeah, the power of quiet, quiet introspection, I'll say, is my advice. That's really good advice, Isaac. I actually um, take that upon myself because I'm 17, you know, um, learning a few things. But um, we spoke um, about like, you know, like kind of with like psychology and stuff, like just chilling out sometimes, um, like the work-life balance. But in terms of that, is there like um, a book or movie you kind of um, watch or listen to just to like chill out? Funny enough, my psychologist recommended a book called The Alchemist. Well, it's it was in Portuguese initially and became famous, oh, I suppose, wow. <laughs> and was worldwide, well, well received uh, and translated to, I don't know, many languages. And he essentially kind of described the book as finding your purpose. But funny enough, I actually ended up disagreeing with the entire um, you know, philosophy, or I, I suppose the t- entire argument of the book, which was, uh, you know, if you dedicate yourself to one thing at the exclusion of all other things, the world will kind of come together to make that happen. Uh, and then I, and then I went on and applied to medicine. So I suppose I, I suppose I end up not choosing to uh, focus entirely on my running future. Um, so I, I know I, I really enjoy reading uh, and I, I say, I say that, but I never read enough because I have other things. I find myself too tired or other things to do. Um, and yeah, I just like to sort of learn more about, um, you know, what goes on in the world and, and bring that back to me and kind of, uh, you know, be aware of my place in the world and my kind of privilege, I suppose, in the world as well. And, and that kind of really aligns well with what I sort of study in that kind of health inequities uh, world too. Uh, and I think you know, psychology, mental health, it's incredibly important. And you could talk for quite a while also about how, you know, there's a real gap or limitation to mental health services in Australia. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, you know, to get access to a mental health provider in the past and uh, very much something I, I recommend where possible. Uh, I definitely found the first few psychological sessions kind of like, it feels like it's a quiz. Like they ask you questions. Yeah, you essentially, you yeah they're like, they're trying to make you like answer questions about yourself, which I think, as I said before, is, can be so helpful, but you're like, oh, what are you testing me? Like, you know? what's, what's the right answer? Yeah. Um, and then I'd leave being like, oh, angry or like confused. And, but uh, you learn, you learn the value in it as it goes on. Yeah, for sure. Like I definitely recommend seeing a psych um, for those, you know, just wanting to like improve their mental health because uh, I know like once you get to session four or five, you kind of, um learn a bit more about yourself um yeah and like some days I would talk about my concern about um like at the time I had uh had a bad falling out with my current coach uh Mm. and that was like quite uh uh, quite messy with other athletes in the group as well uh so you know I'd talk about that and then maybe the next time I would talk about an assignment that I was stressed about and the next time I talked about you know uh, my concerns about going into a race, you know, when I haven't raced for two years, or am I ever going to run faster than I ran when I was 18? So, um, you know, there's, you know, very, you can, you can kind of tailor it to what you need, what you feel like you need. Yeah. And a good recommendation to the listeners is um, 
sure you probably do this, Isaac, but like a diary or something, you could like track your runs, reflect on your journaling. Day, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do a fair bit of that. So nah, it's good to, you know, re- reflect and just chill out sometimes as well. Get it out of your mind onto the paper and that's, <laughs> uh, ca- cathartic, right? Yeah. And just quickly, have you heard of like the gratitude, empathy, mindfulness, the resilience project? I'll do a fair bit of like um practice with like what they do, mindfulness and all that. My brother is a huge um, proponent of that. And he's um, yeah. told me a lot about, uh, well, he's you know, encouraged me to, to go for it. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll take your, your, adv- your recommendation, Jerry's uh, superior to my brother's. So now I'll <laughs> Yeah, go for it. It's good. I've practiced it like pretty much for a year now and it's changed my life, honestly. Um, and let's move on to some more fun, mate. Quick hands, five quick questions for you, Isaac. So... Pineapple and pizza, yes or no? Big no. Big no. Fair, man. Fair. Um, <laughs> fair, fair. English or maths? English. Who's your favourite athlete? Lenny Hayes, a St Kilda legend. Oh, you're a St Kilda supporter, are you? I am, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> no, nah, don't worry. I go for North Melbourne, so um, you can laugh all you want. So. I feel you. <laughs> Kilda, the team with the longest premiership drought now. Oh, I reckon next year's your year, I'm telling you. So you can pity us, yeah. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to visit in Melbourne? Just for laughs, which is a restaurant into Edinburgh Gardens. Oh, right. Might have to check it out um next year. <laughs> so you I buy your falafel and then you take it and sit in Edinburgh Gardens <laughs> and eat your falafel and watch all the dogs. And maybe and maybe kick the football. Oh, that's beautiful, mate. Are you a morning or night person, Isaac? A morning person, I think. Um, this, yeah, is, this is a hard day, question. Yeah. I change my mind all the time. Like, at, currently, I'm in this, like, routine where I sleep at 10 and wake up at 6, which I've never been in my life. But then when there's, like, you can go out to restaurants and go to parties and things, I'm probably more of a night person. But I do enjoy running in the evenings, because that's also when you race 1500s typically. So I'm just <laughs> an anytime going, person. I'm on the fence. <laughs> so let's quickly chat about your Insta, mate. Um, had a look at your captions, but love the captions. I, I think I saw like Fiesta on a few bit. Um, how did that all come about? I might give that a go next few posts I do, mate. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm very uh, grateful that you noticed. Um, <laughs> well, I used to be obsessed with word of the day uh, and I would just get like, get like a a text or a notification from some dictionary company that sends you a random word. And it could be something very, uh, you know, like, whoa, what is that? I can't even pronounce that. Or it can just be like, you know, Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I suppose uh, that was maybe where it started. And I think where it all really came from is probably me being, like like an indictment on this sound this sounds very like pretentious of me but like an indictment of social media and Mm. like my social media would just be pictures of people running and I'm like wow that is like just my world and isn't it crazy that for for a lot of people like the worst thing that goes on in their world is that they have a metatarsal stress fracture um and they post about that on Instagram Mm. and I think this probably came because at the time I was coachless, injured in lockdown uh, and wasn't really, didn't feel like I was really doing very much. And I guess finding that perspective that 
even though for three years I haven't really raced fast, I've, you know, I still have so much, you know, I'm so lucky to, you know, attend higher education and, you know, there's so many other things to be grateful for. Uh, and, you know, an injury is just an injury and uh, social media is often just, you know, pointing out very, I guess, you know, the really great things that we are lucky to experience. And also in many cases, the bad things that on a, on a greater scale are very, you know, well, petty. Uh, mm. So I think for me, it was almost like, um, you know, I like interesting words, even though like fiesta is not very interesting. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want to have to think about a caption and, and trying to be like, you know, is, is anyone going to find this caption interesting? Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, it's just a picture of me running or a picture of me uh, hanging out with my friends, which I think is lovely. Um, and it's, you know, just a, an image that I choose to share of my, of, of my whole world. So um I like it to be simple and a little bit I suppose enigmatic uh and yeah and then now it's fun because I if I have a picture I'll ask whoever was there or whatever you know what's a word that was said or what's a word that like very has a very tenuous link to a a very tenuous link to what was going on um to kind of link the the word to the photos or photo or photos so most of the time the word has some link to the photos but it's very very like not clear um and yeah I now kind of like it <laughs> <laughs> even though like it's not very clear I feel like you'd remember the event or like photo more by like that one word caption so yeah or, or the person who, who suggested that word yeah um well then also like I ask someone and they suggest a word and I'm like oh yeah but then I pick someone else's word <laughs> <laughs> I'll like next time yeah, yeah oh, maybe ne- the next photo <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh well, Isaac, it's been a pleasure, but lastly, let's finish off with, um, you know, what's next for you, like 2021 and beyond, like, what are your top three goals, like with your um, education, like obviously possibly moving um, uh, and running as well? Well, running's probably my easier answer. Uh, in fact, I just spoke to my coach this afternoon. He, he wanted to sort of chat about each individual in the group, their, their goals and aspirations for the season ahead. Uh, this is probably the first year in a long time that I can remember that I'm actually running in September. I typically, maybe I'm allergic to the winter. I get to the end of the season, end of the winter season and I break down and then I get to December and have to try and get fit in a very truncated season. Mm. So I'm, I think I'm in a really positive spot running wise. I, as I said earlier, I haven't been doing too much. I've just seen kind of ticking along at 75 Ks and two workouts a week. So I feel like my body's going well and I've been working closely with a physio and and trying to strengthen up in the limitate the things that in the past have kind of limited me when I've come on to racing during through the track season so what I said to my coach today was that my goals for the season are to not miss a race not miss a plan race due to injury because that's really been mm. the story of my past few years like you know I'm running nationals and these races up to nationals but I get red x's or dns's on a lot of them because I come down with some sort of niggle or injury yeah. So I, I really do believe now that if I can, you know, go a year of running without injured, I will run PBs. And for me, the exciting thing that is if I run a 1500 meter PB, I'm running like mid three thirties. So that's like kind of cool, I think. Uh, <laughs> but also in, in Australia, that is no longer fast enough to really be any, uh, be on a team, but you know, it's quite good on sort of, you know, a general sub elite global scale. Yeah, scale. Um, 
And then, so time-wise, my goals for the season, I haven't really set a goal for 1,500. Uh, that's sort of my standout strongest PB, but I'd like to run 147.5 for 800, um, break eight for 3K, which I think is probably the most achievable, and you know, break 13.50 for 5K. Uh, and I think if I'm running those times, I will then you know, have a good crack at, at running a fast 1,500 and you know, being in the top five, six, seven, 1,500-meter runners in the country uh yeah and that's sort of my goal I, really it's just stay on track for the season and and that will kind of you know organically produce good results i, I do believe uh sorry that was a long answer for my first goal uh, <laughs> no, that's all right keep going <laughs> my, my my sort of academic or life goal is very much to work out what i want to do um mm. you know do i do i move north to sydney and commence medicine uh, you know, I can, and that doesn't mean I have to do it for the rest of my life. So for me, it's very much spending the next few months to work out, you know, where I want to take that, the next step, the sliding doors moment of my life at age 24. And I guess I'm so lucky. I'm basically like spoiled for choice. Like it, it in fact, last week I was, I had a day where I was just so stressed about what am I doing with my life next year and beyond. And, you know, I'm running well at the moment, but then if I go move into state, everything changes. And I was just stressing out and uh, I was like, yeah, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm stressing over, you know, such exciting opportunities. So who knows where I'll be in January. I do enjoy running being a constant, you know, whether I'm in Sydney, Melbourne or Istanbul, <laughs> um, you know, I can, I can keep running, hopefully. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and my third goal will be to go on a road trip over summer and get out planning? of the house. Uh, I, the past two years I've been on, uh, one of my really good mates, Bryce Anderson, is a runner in Canberra. And uh, last year over New Year's, I went with Bryce and Georgia Griffith and our other close friend, Jess. And we went to Port Campbell, so like Bob Hossel's way. Uh, this year, oh, we're yeah. thinking of heading up, the east, heading up the East Coast and maybe taking the risk of crossing the border into New South Wales. And uh, <laughs> I suppose Gladys is, uh, um, her, her rhetoric is about, you know, is Sydney being the home of you know, everyone and returning travel. So maybe New South Wales will be fine. But, you know, a road trip with a beach, uh, a beach escape. Um, and that, in reality, that should be a really simple uh, goal to achieve. But, and it, it may be out of my hands. That's the thing. <laughs> Not in my control. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I know I'd love to go with mates to like Warner Buono. You've like been there many times. But we went to this camp called, I'm not sure you've heard, but have you heard of a camp called Nurad Gundij? It's like a two-month leadership camp in Warner Yeah, yeah. I haven't been there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like surfing? Uh, Wonderful's are good for surfing. Not the best, but yeah, it's a, it's a good, <laughs> <Not the best. laughs> good event. <laughs> so, have you actually heard Nurad Gundij like their camp? Mm -hmm. I think my cousins uh, in Wonderful have been. Oh, wow, that's um, amazing. So, yeah, it's a, definitely a life changer because, like, you've gone for like how long? Like two months, and yeah, it's great. Enlightening. You come out a new person. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, mate. You come out a new person. I, um that's how i started a podcast pretty much um <laughs> <laughs> and isaac to finish off my I, I i can't thank you enough i've like pretty much loved the chat i've learned so much about middle distance running uh shoes as well hopefully um get you training me uh, very soon um <laughs> as well as like um hopefully like we can catch up for a jog down at melbourne uni or pretty um sometime soon because i know the lockdowns um been tough but i know you can jog with a few people so it might get you um teaching me some hacks you know tempos all that <laughs> well, princess park is in my uh radius now oh really 
Yeah, I haven't been there for months. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, have to, yeah. I'll have to meet you there. Oh, no worries, I'll hit you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Thank you.